This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. God wants good for you. Do you believe that? That's hard. Actually, the, in the most difficult seasons of your life, there's going to be times, like Rachel mentioned, where you, where you might doubt or disagree. God wants good for you. There might be times in your life where you go, I don't know how could God could want good for me and me be experiencing this. But God wants good for you. Now, in that promise, we have to ask ourselves, then, what is good? Hey, are you uh, more inclined to take an extra shift or to take an extra moment of rest with the Lord? That might be easier to answer than this question. Are you more inclined to take up a new hobby or to take up God's mission? Many people sleep to rest, but I've learned that in life you must first rest to sleep because the greatest inhibitor to sleep is a mind that is not content. In doing so, when you've rested to sleep, in doing so, you wake up both physically and spiritually revived. Jeremiah 6, uh, verse 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand by the roadways and look. Ask about the ancient past, which is the way to what is good. Then take it, and get this, and find rest for yourselves. But they protested, we won't. Such is the world we live in today. The way of Jesus is before us, but the way of the world is so enticing The way of the world is overwhelming. It's stressed out hard workers in the same room as underwhelmed and lazy workers. Both frustrated. Why? Because people who work too much try to gain too much worth. Too much worth in themselves that's greater than the worth of even Jesus. People who work too little find themselves feeling like they are worthless, like they have no purpose. And in both, both find themselves in a place of being distraught because neither one have found the rest of Jesus. Neither one have found contentment in purpose, satisfaction in hard work. But both need more or less and never find just enough. I fear that we are those who in Jeremiah look at the Lord and say, I know you promise rest. I know you promise strength. I know you have a path for me, but we won't. We won't follow you. We won't rest. We won't take up your strength. We'll do things our way and our mission and our rest. So then today, let's ask this question. As we sang the goodness of God, let's ask this. What is the goodness of God? What is this ancient path that has been renewed in the way of Jesus that is actually good for you? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
Now, how can we call this an ancient path today? When creation, after six days, creation has been beautifully and wonderfully made, and you are declared to be very good, the Lord rests. So we see the pattern from the beginning, from rest, from God resting to rest for the Israelites going into the promised land, to rest when Jesus promises it, to come to him, all who are weary. Uh, There's rest, and then ultimately we know that there's going to finally be rest in heaven for eternity. There's an ancient path that has a future promise for us today that was modeled in God the Father resting on the seventh day. So today, the path that we see before us and the path of enjoying what we create rather than never being satisfied with our work is us saying, we will not be the people who yell out to God. We won't. I I really like Tim Keller's definition of work. He says, work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general, people in particular, thrive and flourish. So work and work hard. Create. Use God's resources to build. Be a builder. Be an innovator. Be an entrepreneur. Build in your family. Teach. Train. Uh, work in careers that allow you to create things that are better for people, that make life better, that make life like the Garden of Eden. Recreate in your recreation. Build in your work and profession. In your family, make it healthy. Do all these things for the glory of God. But at the end of the day, just like our Father God did after his completion of work, at the end of the day, when you've completed your work, can you look at it and say, very good, I'm going to rest now. Now, there's multiple ways we could react to rest, right? So I want to give you four. Um, First is we can rest in a reaction to our jobs. This would be our like physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual and, and relational uh, resting from our jobs. That is what we do to provide for our families or to provide for ourselves. Uh, the jobs that recreate things into good things. It's, these are great things to do, but we can rest from them. The second thing we can rest from is et- an eternal rest, which is like from death and disease in life. You know, we can be overwhelmed in our minds with the pain that we experience and with the death that we face and the disease that we face today. But there also can be a moment where we say, I know this is coming. We are all going to face this. And today I'm just going to choose to not dwell on this. I'm going to rest from this because I know that eternity is coming when I will never face this again, where there will be no death and disease and no sin and no pain and no heartache, nothing relationally or anything. I'm going to rest today like I will forever. Then we have a a saving rest, which is a rest from our brokenness. Since the Garden of Eden, when we fell, we have had sin. We've had brokenness. We've had relationally broken, physically broken, spiritually broken, emotionally broken, all because of sin in our life, all because of our own brokenness. And we strive to get out of that. We strive to have healthy relationships. We strive to be better as individuals. We strive to be morally better. We strive to be uh, intellectually better. We strive in so many different ways. And when Jesus comes, he saves us from all of that work by him completing Like that key word right there, him completing the work that we were supposed to do and we didn't do, he completed it. And so it takes the work off of us, which is why he can clearly say to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He saves us from our own inability to be who he called us to be. 
So he saves us. And then finally, another rest, the toil rest, which is that we were created to bring forth uh, vegetation, food, good things from this earth. We were created to work and till the ground. But it's become toil. It's become turmoil. It's become difficult for us to take care of the planet that God has given us. And we just don't do a good job. We are not great at taking care of what God gave us, hence why His Son Jesus Christ came, because we're just not good at doing this. And there are times where in rest we take a break and step back and go, I've toiled all week because of this difficult world. I've fought for good things. I've fought to bring forth vegetation from this earth. And it's at this point where I take a step back and I'm thankful for what God has given me the ability to do with those six days. Rest. We could say it like this if it was an acronym, recreation uh, or recreation, recreating things, eternal rest, saving rest, and toil rest. That is biblical rest in a nutshell. And all together, okay, here's what I want you to do all together, okay? Now don't go to the next slide yet, all right, Ram? Okay, here's what I need to ask you to do, okay? I just want you, I want you to trust me and I want you just to read what is on the screen. All right? Don't do it yet. There's going to be something on the screen. And I just want you, don't read it and then say it. I know some of you are going to be tempted to do that. You're just going to have to trust me right now and just read what's on the screen. All right? Y'all ready? All right, Ram. Three, two, one. I'm going to rest so that. Well, come on, guys. Oh, we got to try that again. Go back, Ram. <laughs> I'm really worried about how much you guys trust me right now. <laughs> oh, come on now. All right, are you ready? Set, go. I'm going to rest so that I can love myself, my people, and my God more. Y'all, what you just did was give yourself permission to say this again. That's so hard to say right there. Like, think through it for a second now. What you just said is a promise to yourself and to, your, to the people around you. I sort of tricked you into this, so I apologize for that. But I want, you to give your, I want you to give yourself permission to say this. I'm going to rest. Man. Do you ever wake up in the morning and you're just like, man, today I'm going to rest. Right? Now, I'm going to rest, purpose statement, so that I can love myself. Because God loves me. So that I can love my people. Because God told me to love them. And so that I can love my God. Because he's so good to me. I'm going to rest for a purpose, for a reason. Sure, I'm going to work. I'm going to work hard. We're going to work hard. We're going to do what we're, we've been called to do. But there's going to be a time where you need to wake up in the morning and go, today I'm going to rest. Now, I want to show you this biblically. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 13 with me. It says this, Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, 
even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Do you trust God enough to rest. Do you trust God enough to rest from your own, your own righteousness or unrighteousness? Do you trust God to rest enough from your work? You know, that statement is so hard to say. I'm going to rest. It's so hard to say because we believe that it's our work and our rest that's going to save us. It's not his work or his, work, his rest that will save us. Sometimes we might think that it's his work that will save us. But rarely do we think it's his rest that will save us. So often we are tempted, just like in Jeremiah 6, 16, to say, no, we won't. We don't need your work and we don't need your rest. We wake up in the morning and we think, okay, I'm either going to rest the way I need to rest or I'm going to work the way I need to work. But how often do we wake up in the morning and say, God, whatever your work is for me today, I will do. And whatever your rest is for me today, I will do. As John Mark Comer says, he says, we need to learn to embrace our potential and our limitations because both of them are signposts pointing us forward into God's calling on our life. Limitations and potential. I know what I can't do and I know what I've been called to do. And within that, I do what God's called me to do. Nothing more and nothing less. Finding contentment with what God has for me allows me to complete it and then rest from it. Hear that again. Finding what God has called you to do allows for you to complete it and then rest from it because it's his work and it's his rest. Now I want to walk you through this a little bit through um, Hebrews chapter 4 and I hope that you will find a rest because who knows in here that if you cannot rest, you cannot work. It's so hard. If you don't rest right, you don't work right. But if you don't work right, then you don't rest right. Because it's hard to rest if you haven't worked. You don't find rest because you have to keep working to find rest. And we work and work and work and work. And we live in a culture where you've got to work to get more and more and more to find the rest that the world declares to be rest. Because when it's your rest or the world's rest, you probably won't ever achieve it. Because you've got to work so hard to get it. But in Christ, oh man... Have I learned this in my life? This, the only reason I can preach this message is because God is working it in me. In Christ, we find such a perfect balance of the work that he's given us to do with his strength to do it 
and the rest that is perfect for us. Perfect rest. How much do you long for this? Tell me you don't wake up every morning and you just think, man, I got to go to work again today. What if you thought every morning, man, I get to do God's work today? How many, how many times have you ever woke up and been like, man, I just didn't sleep good enough? And you're like, that's my rest. I just need to, have you ever thought like, man, I just need to sit on the couch and I just need to watch some Netflix and just rest? Why? Because we define what rest is and we define what work is. And when we don't have it like we like it, we aren't content with it. Don't doubt God. Let me start here. Verse 11. Don't doubt God. It says, let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Man, when I read this for the first time, I was like, not for the first time, but when I'm studying through this, I was like, okay, make every effort. This whole thing's talking about rest. Why would it say make every effort? You tell me I got to make effort to rest. I got to work to rest. Like that, that doesn't make sense. I got to keep working. And if I don't work hard enough, I don't rest. And I was like, ah, oh, this, this is difficult. Okay, go back to the Israelites. This story is from Psalm 95, where David talks about the Israelites not walking into the promised land. The promised land is the place of rest. In Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, it says that essentially rest is a place. It is an experience, but it's also a place. It was where? Garden of Eden, promised land, and heaven. So it's like a place. It's also an experience, though. Rest is that experience that is his rest, not our rest. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But don't doubt God, okay? Israelites are trying to get into a place of rest. They're coming out of a place of slavery, so it makes sense for them to come into a place of rest, right? God is providing for his people. The opposite, it is war against Satan. Satan wants slavery for his people. God is bringing them to rest. In the middle of that is the wilderness. As they are walking to the promised land, why don't they go in? Because they doubt God. Y'all, they walked through a sea. God split it open. Their ability to walk through that, they get through it, it's not like they were physically unable to walk into the promised land. Are y'all with me? They were able to physically walk into the promised land. If they're able to physically walk into the promised land, then it's not their physical limitation that prevented them from getting into the promised land. It's because they doubted God. So now look at disobedience. That word again, make every effort, disobedience. You look at verse 11 and you see that word in, in verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, uh, therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter. Why? Because of disobedience. Because they didn't believe the good news. What was the good news? The good news was that God had promise for them in a land of rest. He was taking them from slavery, which was work under a evil, wicked emperor, uh, leader, president, whatever you want to insert in there into our culture, you have slavery and they're moving towards what? Rest. God promised rest. And in that movement towards that, they doubt God. And so they don't believe the good news that rest is coming. And so they don't step into the promised land. The disobedience that we see here is that they doubted God. So my challenge to you this morning is don't doubt God. 
Don't doubt God for the rest that he can bring in your life and that that rest is so much better. Do you remember when they get backed up to the, to the sea and, and Moses is standing there like, come on, guys, I know what we can do. I've seen God move. He talked to me in a fire like he turned the, uh, this thing into a snake. Like uh, he protected us when everybody else was getting d- destroyed. Like God can protect us, right? And Moses is like, let's go. And the guys are backed up against the sea. And do you remember what they said? Are there not enough graves in Egypt, why don't you just let us go back there and die? Under what? Slavery. They wanted to return to slavery rather than move into rest. We are, our hearts are so inclined to this. As human beings, our hearts are so inclined to our own rest and our own work that we'd rather return to slavery than return or then move on towards rest because we simply doubt that God's rest is better than this world. Don't doubt God's rest. I think this is one of the most beautiful uh, uh, examples of God's balance between faith and works. You know, as they believed, they, they would step into the promised land. As Joshua did, it's like, hey, I believe I'm going to take one more step to the promised land. I trust you, God. I know you got a good plan for me. I'm going to take one more step. And you see that work. It's because, like, I believe, therefore I step. When you doubt, it's like I stop. Like, I don't, I can't do that. There's no way we can go into the promised land. I don't believe that. And so you doubt, you stop. You believe, you move forward. It's balance between faith and works that God's faith motivates us to do God's work. Now look, if we doubt God, then we will doubt God's rest. It starts with, do we believe God? Do we believe that he can take care of you? Do we believe that he has a good plan for you? Do you believe that this morning? If so, then consider his rest. Verse 9, Look at uh, chapter 4, verse 9. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. This so eloquently brings together the Ten Commandments and Jesus' statement on the Sabbath. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees come up to Jesus and they're questioning him about the Sabbath, do you remember what Jesus said? He says, man, the man wasn't made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Why? Because we as humans are so good at this. We want to return back to the slavery. We want to return back to that evil empire. We want to return back to what is wicked. And so what do we do? We take the Sabbath and we're like, hey, man, this is a good thing. We get to rest from work. That's good. Now let's put 40 rules and regulations around it to make sure we protect it. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. And hey, if you don't obey it, you get in trouble. And by the way, if you don't obey it, maybe you could even be kicked out of uh, family groups or religious groups or even stoned if you don't repent. Hey, this is really going to be a serious matter. And we took something that was so beautiful, like the Garden of Eden, and we just trashed it into our own legalistic rules. And so Jesus comes up and he's like, hey, you made man for Sabbath, and I made Sabbath for man. Y'all, the Ten Commandments are bringing the Garden of Eden into our chaotic world, into our hell on earth. It bring, the Ten Commandments bring the Garden of Eden into our chaotic world. And so what component of the Sabbath does it bring from the Garden of Eden? Rest. The Sabbath is the Sabbath rest. It's what I would like to call a rhythm of rest. It's a rhythm we put in our daily, our daily walk, our daily life, uh, and weekly life that becomes rest for us. It's just a rhythm of rest. I'm going to Sabbath from my work because I've completed the work God gave me to do. All right? So in this rhythm of rest, look at verse 9. Therefore, a Sabbath rest. He doesn't say, therefore, a Sabbath remains. So for the Jews, it can't just be like, oh, yeah, that day remains. For us, it can't just be like, oh, yeah, we go to church on a Sabbath day. That's what we do. 
Like, it's just a Sabbath. No, it's a Sabbath rest. What does rest mean then? Now I have to ask myself, what is God's rest and do I want that? And then it says it remains for God's people. Now, I want you to note down what it says. It says it remains for what? For God's people. It doesn't say now Sabbath remains as a rule you must keep or you're going to die. No, it's not about death. It's about life. It's about giving you life. It's about restoring you to life. It's about, honestly, it's about enjoying life. The Sabbath rest is good for you, but do you believe this? All right, so it's one question, do we believe God to take one more step towards the promised land? But the next question is, is the promised land actually good? Is that actually good for us? What if by working one more day and taking one more shift and doing one more hobby, you could increase yourself and your status or your, uh, your, um, your money or your career or your job or your uh, specific job or your house or your car or whatever it is. You could increase it 10%. You're just like, oh, but if I take that one more shift, I'm going to be this much better. Is that moving you towards promised land or is that doubting God's promised land? But I got my rest, God. But I've got my promised land, God. But I have an idea of what the promised land should look like. All that is is saying you doubt God's rest. You doubt God's promised land. And unfortunately, as David would note down in Psalm 95, what we're really doing is we're doubting heaven. We're doubting that heaven is actually good for us. But I believe and I think we should believe today that his rest is truly better than our attempts and our rest. That our, his rest and his work is better than our work and our rest. If you think about like Sabbath, like we said, bringing Eden's rest, the Garden of Eden's rest into our chaotic world. I want you to, to think, God, did God rest because he was tired after creation? You got six days he, he creates and he gets to, man, this is good. And then he looks out at you and he's like, this is very good. And then he takes a step back and he's like, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to take a little nap. He doesn't do that, does he? What does it say in Genesis? It says he had completed it. That the work was complete and so he rested. So what was God's rest like? God's rest wasn't so he could sleep or slumber or be lazy, lay on the couch and watch some Netflix. God's rest was enjoying the creation he created. That means that while on earth we experience heaven on earth, Garden of Eden drawing into it today, we experience all of this through the presence of God giving us the spirit giving us wisdom and knowledge and all these good things, but ultimately the way God defines that is peace and rest. That on earth we would have peace. On earth we would have rest. So let me take you back to the beginning of our conversation. Is it easier for us to take up another shift? To take up another email? To make another call? Or is it easier for us to go, man, I just need some promised land time right now. I just need to rest. I need his rest. I don't need Netflix. I don't need scrolling. I don't need that. I don't need to just binge eat. I need his rest. 
And, so, and what it does is it, it gives over to God and says, hey, look, I know that your rest is better than mine and your work is better than mine. And so I'm going to give over what I think is good for me and trust what you have for me. You know, when we do this well, when we really recognize that his rest is better for us, verse one makes sense. Go back to verse one with me. It says, therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found, be found to have fallen short. That word beware in Greek means like it's a, it's a very uh, sharp way of saying be afraid, be fearful of, fear this. So let us fear that none of you be found to have fallen short. Why? Because we don't want to lose rest. We don't want to lose what we know is so good. The Israelites, when they're backed up against the sea, feared losing security in Egypt. Moses knew moving forward meant that he, if, he, if he turned back towards Egypt, that he would lose rest. He would lose promised land. He would lose that hope. Today, when you think about it in your mind and you're like, man, no, I need one more shift. I need to work just a little bit harder. It's our constant, it's our constant challenge with this world that tells us just work more, just get more, just have more, just be more. You'll be happy. So you go back and back and back. And God's over here going, no, I have a rest for you. Enjoy the creation you've created, the completeness you've completed. Enjoy the work of your hands and your mind. Enjoy it. So we fear losing the rest. We fear falling short. We fear what would happen if I don't have that. I don't fear what would happen if I don't have one more shift. I fear what would happen if I don't have a moment in God's presence. I fear what would happen if I don't have a moment again with my bride in that good, righteous, holy marriage that God has given us. What, what if I don't have that? Like I fear, I fear losing his rest. I don't fear losing one more um, uh, shift, one more hobby, one more thing to do, one more email or call, one more time to scroll on my phone. I fear what would happen if I didn't have my God in his presence. And so do you fear this? In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1, and then verse 12 through 13, it essentially says the same thing. At the end of verse 1, it says, that none of you be found to have fallen short. And then 12 and 13, look at it with me. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. We must give an account. Our thoughts are judged. Our intentions are judged. They're all before the Lord. So when you go back to verse 1, it says that we'll be found out if we are fallen short. So here's what that looks like. You may create in your life an extremely chaotic world. Uh, and to others, they don't necessarily see it. Your marriage is in chaos. Your children are in chaos. Your finances are in chaos. Your house is chaos. Your car is chaos. Your job is chaos. Your friendships are chaos. Everything around you is chaos. And you're like, I can hold this all together. I, I got this. 
right? And what do you do? Work harder and rest harder in your own way, right? So I'm gonna take a vacation and go uh, to the beach and because that's rest that will help me to keep everything together. I'm gonna work one more shift. I'm gonna work a little bit harder because that will keep everything together. And so what we do is the chaos is all around us. Everything that we built is chaotic around us. And so the only thing that is our reward is chaos. Scripture, enter God's word, enter the goodness of God's word. And what it's saying is rather than creating chaos that you can enjoy, rest, take time, look at your life and create peace create goodness that you can enjoy. Because on that seventh day, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to enjoy or you're going to be cursed by what you've created. My hope for you today is that you will create goodness in your life. Something so good that you don't want to retire from. It's one of my favorite things that I I think John Mark Cromer said it. Build a life that you don't want to retire from. Man, what if you had a job because it was a calling from God that you loved so much you didn't want to retire from it? I'm not saying that. I mean, that's like, (laughs) can anybody get that? You know, that might be unattainable. But building a life that you don't want to retire from. Building a family that you don't want to retire from. You know what I'm saying? Like building a rhythm in your daily life that you don't want to retire from. What would it look like in your life to build a life that after six days you go, I am so content with what I built. I'm just going to enjoy what I created. Because that's exactly what God does with his creation. Fear losing his rest. But Hebrews 4 verse 10. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his Now, look at that really closely. It says he's rested from his own works. Does that mean that he rests from working? Like, I'm not going to work anymore at my job. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to not do any work on the Sabbath. I'm just going to sit and be still. I'm just not going to do any labor. Is that what that means? Does it mean that he's like, hey, I just need to... I need to rest because I'm just tired and I need to be rejuvenated. I need to be, uh, I need that like strength again. I need that energy again. So I'm going to rest from my own works. If it does, then that means that's what God did because it says just as God did from his. But what if verse 10 actually reads this way, for the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works in the sense of this, when you work, you get to rest. Rested from his own works is just the same as what God did. And God rested from his work to enjoy his creation, not because he was tired. Are you building a life to rest with? Are you building a life to enjoy? Are you doing during the week what you want to experience on the weekend? Are you investing in your kids in a way that you want to sit with them on Sunday? You know, jobs can be sucking the energy out of you. Children want to take every minute and moment of your life from you. They want to draw the energy straight from your bones. 
y'all give them everything you got. And on that seventh day, have fun. Let go. And experience the wonder and the goodness of children. And enjoy the craziness and the loudness and the vitality that they bring to you. Enjoy the life that God lets you create. Is there, a, is, is, is there ever another car that you need to, to, to replace the oil in? That you need to wash? That you need to clean out? There's always more groceries you need to buy. There's probably another load of laundry that you need to do. You might need to make a little bit more money. You might have another email you need to follow up on or call you need to make. But today, we will respond to Satan. We won't. Because what we will do. Today, we will find what God has for us. The work that God has for us. We will find the rest that God has for us. To enjoy the creation that God has allowed us to create. I'm going to enjoy God today. Verse 1 and verse 6. Look at verse 6 with me. It says, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it. May you be the ones who enter into this kind of rest, who believe the good news that God has rest for you today. Since the Sabbath remains, will you enter into this kind of rest? Not, you cannot stop working in this life. We are cursed by the toil of this world. We are cursed by the pain and the death and the disease. We're cursed by relationships that break. We're cursed by uh, um, frustrations with one another, jealousy of one another, guilt towards one another. We are cursed by sin. You're never going to stop working and never going to stop toiling and never going to stop experiencing the turmoil and the chaos of this life. But for a moment... Before a moment in your week, before a time in your day, rest. Take a step back and say, I'm not going to give in to what the world wants from me. I'm not going to be overwhelmed. I'm not going to be underwhelmed. I'm going to be content with what God has for me. So I think this is one of the most fitting questions we can ask ourselves in these kind of moments. Do you know your mission? Do you know what you are trying to complete? It is so hard. Isn't it so hard to rest if you don't know if you've completed your work? I have no clue if I've already said this to you because I've already said it in two other services. (laughs) But... When it's 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. and you're thinking in bed and you're like, oh, did I email that person? Did I call them back? I was supposed to call them. Have you ever thought that? Or like, did I leave a load of laundry in the washer? Because it's going to stink in the morning if I don't put it in the dryer. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, Man, did I get the right amount of food this week? Or do I have the right amount of food and the uh, money in the bank account? Or, you know, all of those things start pressing in your mind. Why? Because we don't know if we completed the work God gave us. We don't know if it's time to rest. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work this week on, 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 on this. Work with your D group, your life group, or some brothers and sisters in Christ. What 
would it mean for you to be complete? Like completed, done. On let's say Saturday at 4 p.m., you say, I'm starting Sabbath right now. And you say, I'm done. I finished everything I needed to finish because God gave me what I was supposed to do and I did it and I'm done and I'm just going to rest. And all the other stuff that maybe you didn't do, maybe that's not missional. Maybe that's not something you had to do. Maybe it's not something that God gave you to do. What you've got to figure out is what has God given you to do? Go do that and then enjoy what you've done. Reap the rewards of the hard labor you've put in. You know, I think on, on, as the band comes forward, I'm going to give you this last challenge. When I think on the goodness of God and what he has for you in your life, and I think about transforming our minds and our hearts and our actions around all of this goodness, I think that all throughout Scripture and all throughout the Bible, we see God define this as peace and rest. The goodness of God being peace and rest, that shalom that God wants for you. I want that peace and rest for you. And so when I think about God creating in six days and then resting and how that maybe can be a blessing for you in your life, I just, I want to press back into this. Are you creating chaos and overwhelm or are you creating peace and rest in your life? Are you taking up one more shift, taking up one more responsibility, doing one more thing for your own work and for your own rest, or are you doing what God's called you to do? Nothing more and nothing less. Nothing more and nothing less. In this life, we have chaos all around us. I don't have to tell you how. You can see it all around us. But we also have life in the way of Jesus, the ancient way, the shalom way, the Sabbath way, this way of rest. In a life that is chaotic, we see so many different labels for this, but really it's just sin and suffering. Sin and suffering nowadays can be labeled in so many different things like ADD, ADHD, OCD, anxiety, depression, food disorders, and personality disorders. But in God's grace, that's not the way it was supposed to be. God created a perfect world for you, and he's recreating it back into that perfect world for you. And today you have the opportunity to draw the Garden of Eden back into this world. And we cannot, as a church, sit down and act like it's okay for us to just keep pursuing this idea that if you work harder, you'll be happier. You make more money, you'll be happier. You get one more thing, you'll be happier. We find as the church of God, as Bible-believing brothers and sisters, we find contentment in not being overwhelmed or underwhelmed, but doing exactly what God has for us. Not having too much or too little, but only what God has for us, for his provisions and his plan are far greater than ours. And when we find contentment in this, it is an all-out war against Satan who wants you to be overwhelmed and underwhelmed and will do everything in your life to cause you to be stressed out, ADD, ADHD, OCD, depressed with anxiety, thinking that your life isn't worth living. And yet God is showing you that your life is worth so much more. So would you live? Live. Don't operate in a way of death this week. Exhausted, overwhelmed, anxious and depressed, not being able to focus on what is good and what God has for you. 
would you operate this week in a way of life? Wake up, ne- wake up tomorrow morning and ask yourself this. Am I today going to work and to rest the way that God has for me? Or am I going to work the way I want to work? And am I going to rest the way that I want to rest? Rest is war. I don't say that lightly. I do mean it. Rest is absolutely war against Satan. Every time you choose that statement that I told you, I'm going to rest. It's war against Satan because he wants you worn out, tired, overwhelmed, and depressed. Let's fight. And sometimes we fight by resting. So this morning, will you trust in the completed work of Jesus? Man, I love that word. He says on the cross, he says, tetelestai. It means this, it is finished. It's finished. We're not working because Christ already worked on our behalf. It's finished. There's nothing more you can do. There's nothing more you can do. For my brothers and sisters out there who are perfectionists, you can't be perfect enough. Let go. For my brothers and sisters out there who are just trying to do more and more and more and more and more, let go. Husbands, wives, can you give up one more shift? Can you give up one hobby? Can you lay down one responsibility and rest in the presence of God? Because that's war against Satan. Trust in the finished work of Jesus. There's nothing more you have to add to it. And second, would you desire heaven? Like that rest from death and disease, that rest from toil and turmoil and chaos of this world. Do you desire that? Because the more you desire that, I hope that you'll plant it into this life. Plant it in this earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sabbath is a rhythm of rest that we get to draw with the Garden of Eden in heaven to today. Fight the devil by doing this. So my one way for you as we go into a time of worship is this. I've already challenged you to do it. I'm just going to repeat it. Will you talk with someone this week about what it would mean for your six days or five days or whatever it is to be completed? You're done. You don't need to do any more. There's no more work to be done. You're just going to rest. Uh, one of the theologians says this, take a, uh, take a piece of paper and write down on it what is work and what is rest and only do that column. And do it only for this, for two reasons, and you know what they are already. You do that column for the glory of God and for your goodness. Work and rest. Today I'm going to rest because I've already worked enough. And today I'm going to enjoy the life that God has given me. Let us not sing out about the goodness of God without enjoying it. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we do believe that you are so good. That your good news is so good that we believe it. We believe that you have good things for us, like rest. 
And so, Father, we trust that your rest is better than this world. It's better than the things of this world. It's better than having more or being more. Your rest is better. And so, God, would you help us? Would you help us to rest? Would you help us to be okay with failing someone if it means not failing you? Would you help us to be okay with not doing something even when we want to do it so bad? God, would you help us to be content with what you have for us, nothing more and nothing less? It's so hard. Help us. We trust you, God, that your work is better, so work in us. Spirit, move in us because we are so weak. We need you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.